0: I'm Dina. Welcome to The Grim Curriculum.
1: Hello, hello. Hi. So, I mean... Can we talk... We always talk about the weather, but can we fucking talk about this goddamn weather? It's like minus 25 today and it feels tropical. Straight up, I had a friend (laughs) that she let her dog out wearing flip-flops today because in comparison to the past few days, it felt downright, yeah, tropical. That's so Canadian. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a rough week temperature-wise. I have been busy rescuing a dog um, that came into our life very suddenly. For those of you who saw this story on Twitter... She is in safe hands now, and she's getting vetted out and uh, checked out, and she is going to be going to a good home eventually. So thanks to everybody that commented and asked about her. Lost Dog is doing really well. Good job, guys. I'm Ooh. so happy you guys
0: did that. That's so good. Oh, like
1: We couldn't let a critter in need just go by without
0: helping. So. All right, everyone today's gonna be a little different. We got something a little bit, I'd say, you know, still grim, still involves bad stuff, but definitely lighter-hearted than what we've been experiencing over the last few weeks.
1: Yeah, we thought we would spare you guys some trauma, um, especially after the past four episodes with Rock, Terrio, and the Ant Hill Kids. That was pretty rough. So today's something, yeah, I guess comparatively
0: a little more light-hearted. Definitely, but still, like I said, pretty, pretty wild. So with that being said, Charlotte, Frustration. It's a difficult emotion, isn't it? 100%. It can be a very powerful feeling. And sometimes you need to act on that frustration and take matters into your own hands. I mean, I'm sure we've all been there at one point or another in our lives. Yeah, definitely. I think think we can all agree that's a very relatable feeling, isn't it? Yeah, so that being said, today's episode is about just that probably one of the most extreme versions of taking matters into your own hands.
1: Our story today is about a man named Marvin Heemeyer, a guy
0: who had some serious grudges against those in his community. So serious that one day he decided he would seek what he felt was the justice that he deserved.
1: And he did so throughout the course of 127 minutes when he drove through the town of Gramby, Colorado in his specially modified
0: bulldozer that would be later dubbed the Killdozer. I can't read or hear the word Killdozer without hearing like a heavy metal riff at the end of it. Absolutely. It sounds like something from Twisted Metal or Mad Max or something. It really does. So the only person who died as a result of this incident was Marvin himself. That being said, he did manage to cause over $7 million in damage before the whole ordeal was over.
1: The result of his actions that day is still very
0: much felt in Granby. Alright, so like we said, we wanted to cover something a little lighter-hearted this week, and this story was suggested to us by a listener, so thank you. Now, mind you, basically anything's going to be more lighthearted than what we just covered, but this is one of those stories that sounds like it's a made-up movie that's just a bit much.
1: Yes, we always say that truth is really stranger than fiction, and uh, yeah, you couldn't have written about
0: this, really. And while there is a movie about it, this is real, and whether you think Marvin was a hero or a villain by the end of it, we're probably all going to agree that the story of him and his killdozer is just wild. I do think it's ironic in
1: the sense that he was dubbed Killdozer, but like you said, he didn't take anybody's lives except his own, but we're still talking about him today, so he definitely
0: made his mark in history. Now you're probably wondering, what could possibly lead a man to feel that his only option is to rampage through the town with a bulldozer? That's a very fair and valid question. But before we get into that, we want to talk a little bit about who Marvin was. Marvin John
1: Haymeyer was born on October 28, 1951, to a family of dairy farmers in South Dakota. At the age of 23, he relocated to Colorado, where he was stationed at the Lowry Air Force Base.
0: In his later adult years, Marvin enjoyed snowmobiling and working on vehicles. He would finally settle in the small mountain town of Granby, which, by the way, is absolutely beautiful. Granby only has a population
1: of about 2,000 people, which really gives it
0: that small-town serene vibe. And I think that's what makes this story all the more out there, because this was a small, quiet, beautiful place, and while a 52-year-old man rampaging in a killdozer throughout town would be difficult to believe anywhere, it being in a place like this just adds to the madness of this story. To be
1: honest, when I think of a bulldozer rampaging, I kind of picture the newscast. I can kind of see it like ripping down a highway in like LA or something. I don't picture it being in like a picturesque mountain town.
0: No, I'm picturing GTA.
1: One hundred percent. The radio on Miami Vice Vice. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Due to Granby's beautiful setting, it is a hot spot for tourists, but at the end of the day, it's one of those places where just about everyone
0: works hard enough to make a living through blue-collar work. And it's also small enough where everyone knows everyone's name and their business. Marvin was
1: well-known in Granby. He owned a repair shop where he had a reputation as a skilled welder. He would advertise his business through local commercials that eventually
0: earned him the nickname of Marv the Muffler Man. Overall, he was considered someone you could count on to fix your vehicles. Marvin was the kind of guy who was known to be helpful, kind, and he seemed to be a pillar of his community. That was according to most
1: people who knew him, at least. Friends of his would describe him as likable, and his brother would later be reported as saying that he was the kind of guy who would just bend over backwards for
0: anyone. However, Marvin was clearly not someone you wanted to wrong. A local woman named Christine Baker had a very different experience with him. When her husband disputed a repair he had done on his vehicle, Marvin reacted by threatening him until he paid him the $124 that he was owed. Apparently, you didn't want to owe this guy money. In 1992, Marvin purchased two acres of land for $42,000 U.S. at an auction. Prior to the purchase, the land belonged to the Dochev family, who owned a concrete plant there. Marvin would later say that Cody Dochev had
1: attempted to buy the land out from under him during the auction. He also claimed that Cody became aggressive with him when Marvin got the winning bid. However, this wouldn't be the last that he would hear from one of the Dochevs. The weird thing about this whole interaction is while there were many people there, not one of them witnessed this apparent drama. Many believe that Marvin had
0: actually made the whole thing up. It turned out that there was a huge issue with sewage when it came to the land. The previous owners, the doachips, had basically just put all of their waste into a concrete truck barrel that was buried in the ground. That doesn't sound environmentally sketchy at all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Marvin made the call to the city to have a sewer line put in. Now, this is apparently an American term, but the folks in charge of all of this were part of something called the Sewer District. They agreed to come out and look at the property, but they told him in order to do so, he would first have to pay for a lift station and a 100 feet of sewage line.
0: And friends, we're going to talk about sewage for a few minutes here. Lucky us. And listen, we're not plumbers. (laughs) We don't know this stuff. But as always, we're going to do our best to explain to you. Don't worry, dear listeners. We know you're going to tell us if we get this wrong.
1: And rightfully so. Please correct us. (laughs) They explained to him that he needed the lift station because the sewage was running uphill, and without it, the line would become pressurized and lead to overflow. And that's something you really don't want. I don't want pressurized, overflowing sewage. Good God.
0: No, we know enough about plumbing to know that much.
1: They estimated that all of this would cost Marvin roughly $70,000. They also said that he had the option to just put in a septic tank, which would cost a whole lot less. Neither of these options appealed to him, and he claimed that them not paying for the work themselves was extortion by government. He then joined the sewer district himself. Which,
0: I have to say, you bought this land. It's not up to code. The government doesn't have to pay for that, my guy. No, I mean, again, I'm also not super familiar with, like,
1: land law and shit like that. But surely some kind of inspection would have been appropriate or something like that. Yeah. Although he did say it was at auction, so sometimes it's kind of like, buy it as it is and hope for the best. I
0: mean, for $42,000 for two acres of land, like, you're not gonna get, like, primo shit. No, no. A few years after that, the Doche family decided that they wanted to expand their business. They still owned the surrounding area and began purchasing more land. Their goal was to create a small industrial area where they'd lease the majority of their property to local small manufacturing businesses.
1: This meant that they actually wanted to buy their land back from Marvin, and when they approached him, he said he wouldn't sell it for less than $250,000. He's a businessman, this Marvin.
0: He is. The Docha family returned a few days later saying that they would pay him the money. Marvin responded by telling them that the land was just appraised at $375,000 and that he wouldn't take less than that.
1: Okay, I've changed my mind. That's really rude. It just gets worse. So they were able to get $350,000 together and offered that to him. He once again told them no and now said the land was worth 450,000. Marvin, this is not how haggling works, homie. See,
0: I, you know, we already said he dies at the end. It's not a spoiler, but um, kind of a frustrating fella.
1: Yeah, I can see why he was perhaps famous and infamous in his town. The Docha family ended up not buying his land, but they did expand their business around him. This was something that Marvin fought against publicly. He claimed his reason was that the plant they wanted to build would be a nuisance and bad for the environment. Okay, Marvin, you're
0: probably not wrong in the sense that it probably wasn't the greatest for the environment. Yeah, and honestly, at first, a lot of the residents of Granby agreed with him. But all of their concerns were alleviated when the Dochefs explained their plans to reduce noise and pollution. In 2000, Marvin filed a lawsuit to stop the expansion from happening.
1: A local paper interviewed a town clerk who said that he believed Marvin was only doing this because the Dochefs wouldn't shell out almost half a million dollars for the land that
0: they claimed they wanted so badly. This didn't go very far, and the following year, plans for the expansion were approved.
1: Marvin spoke out against this, saying that if they expanded the land, it would affect his business negatively because the construction would make his shop inaccessible. The judge ruled against this because aerial photos showed
0: that this simply was not true. The Dochefs offered to connect the sewer line to their plant free of charge, and Marvin's response was hanging up on them.
1: Meanwhile, the concrete truck barrel was filling up and was simply no longer an option. Marvin had to make some changes. He pumped the sewage into an irrigation ditch behind his house. Ooh, I'm sure that was just delightful mm. smelling. He then tried to illegally connect a sewer line to his neighbor's house. I've heard of jacking, like, electricity from other people, but to jack someone's sewer line? That, that's
0: gross. That's
1: fucking (laughs) rancid. Marvin blamed this whole fiasco on having a bad lawyer. He called this a form of terrorism and was overheard saying, I'm just gonna bulldozer
0: this whole place to the ground. (laughs) And dear listeners, that is exactly what he tried to do. This began the construction of the machine we now know as the Killdozer. We know a lot of these details because Marvin kept an audio log where he spoke about the project and his thoughts on what had happened between him and the community.
1: Oh my god. If any King of the Hill fans are out there, this is giving Dale Gribble. <laughs> oh my god. Man, Marvin is just Rusty Shackleford in a different form, man. Actually, I, you know what? I'm pretty sure there's a King of the Hill episode where they literally steal a rental bulldozer and, like, kind of go on a bit of a stupid rampage.
0: That wouldn't shock me.
1: It had to have been inspired. Anyway,
0: back, back to fucking Marvin. He purchased a Komatsu bulldozer for $16,000 at an auction in California. He had it shipped to his property and displayed it with a for sale sign. However, no one wanted to buy it.
1: In October of 2002, he closed his auto shop and attempted to sell the remainder of his inventory. He also sold his land for $400,000 to the Trash Co.
0: about a year later. He explained to them that he wanted to lease half of the building to finish up some work that he needed to do, and the new owners happily agreed. Also, the new owners fixed the sewage problems in a couple of days. Yeah, so... uh,
1: That was a problem easily solved and didn't require all of this drama and killdozer.
0: I don't... Okay, I'm not going to say he was like a bad guy per se, but he seems to have been complicated as hell and just as stubborn because to me, it seems like the whole thing could have been handled way better. I say it time and time again.
1: So many issues could be solved at the global level, but also the low, low level Ugh, communication, guys. Yeah, talk. Just talk about your fucking feelings, for God's sake. He
0: had a bit of a shit situation on his hands, and it could have been handled very easily.
1: Very easily. Marvin began working on the kill in secret. However, friends of his would later say that he kind of didn't shut up about it and that he even said he was fully planning on destroying the town with it.
0: And we've talked about this before. When people
1: say stuff like this listen to them oh my god guys at least put in like a report with your local law enforcement or council or something just so that when it does happen you can be like hey guys i did mention this. right
0: cover your own ass if anything else but also maybe go to your friend and be like hey marv can't help but notice you're talking about like destroying the town you good bro
1: yeah perhaps therapy homie <laughs> <laughs> He nicknamed the bulldozer the MK Tank, which stood
0: for Marv's Komatsu Tank. He constructed armor plating made from concrete and steel. It covered the cabin, engine, and the tracks. Some parts of the bulldozer had a one-foot-thick wall of armor on it. This would essentially ensure that the bulldozer would not only be bulletproof, but essentially explosion-proof as well.
1: He also added several video cameras that were encased in a bulletproof box. He even added an air conditioner so that he would be comfortable while all the chaos was erupting around him. It's important. It is. Honestly, stay cool,
0: stay hydrated. As for weapons, he made three gun ports and carried various types of rifles. He sealed himself in with enough food to last him about a week and began to make his way towards the town.
1: Perhaps Marv would have done real good during, like, a zombie apocalypse. Maybe he was just meant for a different time and place. This is the guy that you want to have as your neighbor when shit's going down like this. Exactly, but he's not the kind of guy you want to cross with over an environmental land war. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. At 2.15 p.m. on June 4th, 2004, Marvin drove the Killdozer through the concrete plant owned by the Dochev family. Several employees attempted to stop it, and Cody Dochev even shot at it in an attempt to protect his property.
0: He originally thought there was no one in it and that it was being controlled remotely. He jumped on top of it and continued to shoot. Marvin responded by firing multiple rounds at him. I know we've already said that this is taking place
1: in Colorado, but if you told me this story and then had me guess the state that it was occurring in, I would say Florida. It's giving Florida man for very sure. much At this point, law enforcement began to arrive on the scene. They shot at him. He shot right back. They attempted to shoot out the cameras so that he couldn't see them, but they weren't able to penetrate the protection he had created around himself. He
0: basically, like, put these cameras in, and then he, like, built these bulletproof plastic boxes around them so that they couldn't shoot any of this thing.
1: I mean, credit where credit's due, the fact that he was basically in this kind of mech there's no windows at this point he's covered everything in steel he's using the cameras to see like he's not using them to necessarily like record the
0: chaos that's happening he's using them as a visual aid he continued to drive through the plant and completely demolished it luckily everyone in his way was able to escape just in time and no one was injured
1: when he was done with the plant, Marvin made his way towards the town at a whopping eight kilometers an hour. Oh, slow down, speed racer. <laughs> can you imagine?
0: You're just watching. You can run fast. You can run. Can we run that fast? How fast um, can people run?
1: I don't know this. I can't run that fast. I know I'm I a can't. real piece of shit when it comes to
0: fitness. <laughs> but it's kind
1: of i can imagine the bulldozer coming down the gravel road but you know that scene from monty python and the holy grail where they're like constantly like running towards you (laughs) but never actually getting any closer that but it's a bulldozer (laughs) an emergency call was made to all residents of the town telling them to
0: evacuate one of the sheriffs attempted to drop a flashbang grenade into the bulldozer's exhaust pipe but that had no effect
1: he bulldozed through the mayor's
0: house and various other homes, destroying everything in his path. Marvin made his way to the town hall where an hour-long story time event for children was being held. Guys, you can't write this. That's what I'm saying. Like, this shit is fucking crazy. It's This
1: bulldozer is getting closer and closer to town hall
0: and everyone's like, No, not the children. <laughs> like, what is happening? Thankfully though, the evacuation had been done properly and everyone was removed from the building mere moments before it was destroyed.
1: Marvin then head right on down to the Liberty Savings Bank. He knew that one of the women who worked there was part of the zoning board that had caused him so much grief. This
0: building was destroyed as well. By this point, police realized that they really couldn't do anything to stop him. So they ran along him and followed his rampage, watching him destroy streetlights and trees that were in his way.
1: Marvin then set his sights to the building the local newspaper was located in. The paper had reported about his lawsuit and all of the problems he was facing. He didn't like this because they didn't exactly paint him in the best light whenever they spoke of him.
0: He then targeted some local homes and various other businesses. A landscraper was brought in in an attempt to stop him, but he simply pushed it out of the way. And look up what a landscraper is. It is a huge machine. And he moved it like it was nothing.
1: Marvin made sure he was essentially unstoppable.
0: He then drove over to a propane yard where he began firing at tanks that altogether held about 110,000 liters of propane. Oh, God. Uh, I was going to say, exactly. Everyone within just under 100 meters of this was evacuated. This included a largely populated senior center. So we got the kids in their story time. Now we're evacuating seniors. We're going through the mayor's house. He's like, hitting all the demographics who have wronged him in
1: any possible way. He
0: doesn't discriminate. He's mad at everyone. No kidding. At this point in the rampage, police had fired over 200 rounds and not a single one even slightly dented the killdozer. This next little bit
1: is interesting. This is something that he adamantly denied afterwards, but Governor Bill Owens was reported to have strongly considered sending out the National Guard with an attack helicopter armed with a Hellfire missile. He changed his mind when he realized that the missile would probably do more damage than the Killdozer
0: ever would. While he said this never happened, various members of law enforcement who were on the scene will to this day say that it was genuinely being considered a course of action.
1: Very murka. Isn't it? He made his way to another small local business owned by another person he felt had wronged him. He began to make his way through the building,
0: not realizing that it had a basement. He drove through and the killdozer partially dropped into it, which caused damage to the radiator. This led to a serious engine leak. Marvin was stuck and he had nowhere to go. Not only that, he essentially had no way out of the killdozer itself because again, he sealed himself inside.
1: Less than a minute after he got stuck, a single gunshot was reported
0: to have come from inside. When no other noise or movement was detected, it was determined that Marvin had ended his own life. Explosives were used in an attempt to access him but failed. Finally, they were able to enter the killdozer by using an oxyacetylene torch, and this was not an easy task. I do want to clarify, and
1: I don't know this for sure, but for those of you thinking that they like use TNT style explosives to access him, I'm thinking this probably wasn't the case. I'm thinking it was probably more like a frame charge kind of thing to like blow a part of the armor off.
0: They wouldn't have been like, well, Can't get to him, let's throw grenades. (laughs) Honestly, I appreciate that you said that, because I hear and I picture, like, big sticks of dynamite. (laughs) And they were just like, well, he's probably dead anyway, so fuck him. Yep. But, uh, yeah, if the frame charge
1: didn't work, then uh, a torch would be the next best thing, so yeah. Marvin Haymeyer's body was accessed the following day at around 2 a.m.
0: All in all, when the rampage was done, seven million dollars in damages were done to the town of Granby, A lot of these businesses were not well insured. For example, the total for the damages done on the concrete plant alone was just about $2 million. The insurance payout was for over
1: just a quarter of that. He also knocked out gas services to the town and
0: irreplaceable records and archives were also destroyed. Believe it or not, opinions about what Marvin had done were all over the place when everything was over. A lot of people defended him, saying that he hadn't actually hurt anyone, and that if he had wanted to, he would have. Cody Dochev
1: stated that if Marvin had actually not wanted to hurt anyone, he would have done this on a weekend when the majority of the buildings would have been empty.
0: Keep in mind that 99% of the people who were in his way barely escaped. A lot of them got out of these buildings with mere moments to spare. The fact that no one was hurt is agreed to be by most the result of good planning and proper evacuation procedures being taken. A lot of folks said that no one getting hurt was really just the result of sheer luck. The killdozer
1: was eventually taken apart and scrapped to deter people from trying to steal pieces
0: as souvenirs. And honestly, the whole him not wanting to hurt people thing was hard to believe when his house was finally searched. Police found plans for the killdozer on
1: his PC, as well as a list of 107 people he believed had wronged him. On this list were local politicians, business owners, neighbors, and even
0: the local Catholic Church. He also wrote various complaints that he had against people. They found a letter saying that God had caused the deaths of those who opposed him. He even thanked God in his recordings for blessing him with the task that he was about to undertake, saying that it was his destiny because he had never married or had children.
1: Many believe that that this
0: shows that his intent was to kill. He also wrote, I was always willing to be reasonable until I had to be unreasonable. And sometimes reasonable men do unreasonable things. And I'm going to go ahead and say that I don't really see a whole lot of reasonable action happening from him at any point here.
1: Yeah, actions definitely speak louder than words. And I feel like this is kind of like when someone says they're a nice guy or if a dude tells you he's an alpha. If you have to (laughs) state those things about yourself i.e. I am a reasonable man, you're probably not as reasonable
0: as you think you are. You know what I mean? That's kind of the paradox of it. It really is. As for the town of Granby, many businesses that he destroyed never recovered due to low insurance payouts. His actions not only affected people's ability to make money, but also caused many to face serious mental health issues after the fact due to just the sheer trauma of it all. That, dear listeners, is the story of the dozer.
1: I will say I learned a lot today about sewage lines, and I didn't expect that, so uh, that's some new knowledge that's going to be taking up space rent-free in my brain.
0: You know what? I barely understand any of this stuff, and I was, like, working on this episode, and I'm reading about sewage and lines and things like that, and it was as if I was, like, reading Latin. Like, all I understood was, like, he, they didn't want the poop there, gravity is bad, they had to put a new thing, he didn't want to do it. Like, that's really the main thing I took away from that.
1: Now that you say that, I'm also taking away the fact that this really all started over sewage. And, again, guys, there's easier way to solve problems like this than going on bulldozing rampages through a tiny town Of 2,000 people that wasn't able to recover because you had a temper tantrum.
0: And the thing, too, is, I mean, a lot of this is one of those things where it was really a Marvin problem because they offered to, like, do a free hookup for him. Yes, they they wanted to cooperate. They gave him an alternative. They're like, you can do a septic tank. You do this. You could do that. You know, the the other family was like, yeah, we'll pay for it. Don't worry. And the people that moved in after that bought the land, they got that shit done in mere days. It was no big deal. So how much of this was like just pride and anger and just an angry man? I mean, it's (laughs) as always, it's sad that he's dead. You guys will say it. You know, we're not trying to be mean, but this whole thing could have been avoided. 100%
1: I think we realized that Marvin was being unreasonable when the family scraped enough together to buy the land back and he kept being a dick about it and raising the price extravagantly so yeah rest in
0: peace Marvin but it really didn't have to go that way friends it's time for that part of the episode where we want to take a second and thank the lovely beautiful amazing people on our patreon shout out to all of our grim vips and up that means you bob lisa atlantean jedi brian hillary judy kevin and mayhem mudkip you are amazing and if you all want to support the podcast please consider checking out our patreon there's a ton of ways to show love check out our merch check out all of our different platforms give us five stars give us a thumbs up please the algorithm gods tell your mom tell your friends tell your dog about us it means a
1: lot Yes, it absolutely does. And everybody that listens is supporting us in a huge way. We see you all on social media. We love you on Patreon and everybody all over the place. Y'all are the bomb.com. Thank you all so much for listening. This has been The the Grim Curriculum. So, today I don't have a fun fact, but I recently started following this TikTok account that has charming, quote unquote, German phrases that are going to make you giggle. So, today is semi related to our good friend Marvin in the sense that it is poop related. (laughs) (laughs) The phrase, and apologies for my German pronunciation, De Kamland mit, which means Land came out, meaning that when you farted, poop came out by accident. Oh, landslide.
0: Landslide. <laughs> so that
1: is de comland mit. De com land mit. Bye. Bye.